What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Brothers-in-Law Podcast. As always, it's your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I am here with the world's foremost leading legal humorist, Sean Carter. How you doing, man? Man, you know how I'm doing. And I'm mad that 2020 can kiss my entire blanket. <laughs> All right, the whole thing. Y'all done took Chadwick? Mm. You done took Chadwick now? Mm-mm-mm. Chadwick Bozeman. Rest in peace to the legend. We're talking about Chadwick Bozeman, who apparently had been battling uh, cancer for, uh, I think they said about four years. Four years. But somehow found time in between treatments, one, to make sure that he had a team of people who wouldn't leak anything, and two, to become the uh, icon in every uh, representation of, of every black hero, both fictional <laughs> and non fictional. <laughs> Uh, in the three-year period that he could be. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, a lot of that last four years was spent with the three, right, parts he played, uh, or four, I believe, uh, in, in Marvel movies for Black Panther. But you're mm-hmm. also talking about, you know, uh, Thurgood. Um, before then, he did James Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I'm sorry, Jackie Robinson. Yep, basically, any black person who was ever anybody. All right. He, that was my golden life to have Chadwick do my life story. Now I got to find, you know, Killmonger. Got to now do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. God damn it. Um, I got to get, he, he too good looking swole for me about my person. I got to find somebody. Maybe somebody <laughs> chucking do mine. Um, but anyway, um, you know, it's, it's the thing that you said is amazing though is his, his, his crew. If you learn anything from the life of Chadwick Bozeman, you got to get people. Absolutely. I don't tell my people. I couldn't tell my people. I had a, a, a cold. I, I had, a, you know, I had a cold. That could be all over the internet. All right, but he <laughs> somehow told people, you know, his, his inner circle. Nobody leaked anything. Mm. Even after, and this is real messed up. You know, the last time he was on, he was uh, talking about how he gave him four point two million dollars, right, for in, in, in honor of Jackie Robinson's forty two, mm-hmm. right. To, to charity, um, to, to establish for, you know, for, for, for black cause. And people were dragging him about how skinny he was, calling him Crack Panther. Mm. And as bad as that was, none of his people came out and be like, are you, you know what I mean? You know what he's going through? Now, tell me this, because would you have done it that way? Um, you know, I, I can't even speculate. I, I have lost two aunts to cancer. And I saw all the stuff they had to go through for treatment, all the stuff they had to go through, both in their attempt to return back to a normal life and then 
uh, having to go back in for additional uh-huh. treatment. And it is not fun. I can't imagine somebody dealing with all the chemotherapy, all that, and then going to work and like, you know, you know how movies work. It's not like, you know, you're going to get off at five o'clock. This is a movie. You're going to fly to another country. They're going to have you in a trailer for hours at a time. You're going to do the same scene over and over and over and over again until it's perfect. You got to do edits, like the whole thing. So I can't imagine somebody having that kind of schedule and thinking enough of really of us as people to say, I want to make sure I leave it all out there and give great performances so that everybody can be inspired uh, while still dealing with chemotherapy and, and treatment, all that. That's just a lot, a lot. Yeah, I just so y- y'all know, uh, I'm telling everybody, I don't even expect uh, to be surprised every day. I'm going to be reminding you of, of what y'all owe me and how <laughs> you lucky to have me now. And, and and you better appreciate me while I'm here. <laughs> you quick way. I'm gonna be the kind of person you're gonna be happy I'm gone. <laughs> I am so glad this fool is gone, so he is not bugging me because every day he in here. Because here's the thing that's amazing about Chad. We love this brother. And and and, and he had to know that, right? Mm-hmm. How do you not go around and try to get your flowers? You know what I mean? while you still can. And basically, you know, I respect him a lot, right? Where he's just like, nope, you know, I'm going to handle this and I'm not going to burden other people with it because, you know, we would have been happy to be burdened by it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it's just sudden. And I think one of the best things I, I learned from this situation is just kind of how it's a gift that keeps on giving because he talks about calling Felicia Rashad when he didn't have enough money while he was at Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go to England to learn the uh, classical acting. And that Felicia Rashad got on the phone and called up Denzel Washington and they put money together to make sure that he could go to England. And I was like, wow, this is like black excellence trying to make sure that they look out for the next generation. And when you look at what Chadwick Boseman was doing, he was going around meeting people who were dealing with cancer. He was doing all this stuff that ordinarily we would say, oh, that's just what celebrities do to boost their profile or hype or whatever. But he was actually like sending letters to kids with cancer and taking pictures with people. And what you didn't realize was he was going through it too. So now those kids have something to connect with and memories that they will never forget. Um, And that's on top of like Black Panther is one thing. I mean, you know how movies go. They'll ultimately find somebody else or if they follow the comic book, they'll just make the sister the new Black Panther. But it's, it's, the fact that he was able to bring a character to life with the same degree of reverence, the same degree of respect, the same degree of pride, and that it was a movie that we could all uh, take pride in and mm. appreciate. And the fact that you know now because of his passing that no matter how it goes moving forward, it will never be the same, right? You you have lost an essential element of this experience. You know- I, exactly. I've heard some people say, and I agree with them a, a, a thousand percent, um, that, you know, they don't even want, um, you know, a new Black Panther, but rather mm-hmm. to have the sister take over, 
um, mm-hmm. his little sister, you know. Um, and, and you know, I gotta tell you, it, it, it would be weird to me. It's not like Batman or or 007 where you have, you know, I don't know who the hell in the current 007 is. Probably me. I gotta check my, my I gotta check my time. I don't even know who, I know who it's not. It's not Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> so it ain't me either. We know it's some white guy right out there, and yeah. like, nobody cares. Seriously, you don't care which white guy. Just throw any white guy out there, they care less, right? But this is not gonna be like that for Black Panther. It'd be hard for me to accept another brother, as you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, people were talking about Michael B. Jordan coming back. They using the time stone to go get Killmonger and make him good, and <laughs> coming back like no, 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 no. You can't, you can't do all that. I think you know, in the comic books, is actually pretty interesting. And I'm told that they were planning the movie series. They were planning to do three of these, and they were right. gonna do it. The transition the sister to becoming Black Panther because in the comic book she becomes an even better Black Panther than he was um, because she's got the technological skill and smart and she can you know do everything that he can do but better right so if anything if they're trying to stay consistent it gives the sisters the opportunity to have a hero of their own to go forward and put out there but it's it's never going to be the same like it's it's just not going to be the same. Um, and I think we have to deal with that. And, and I'll tell you the other thing. He had a lot of movies that weren't even uh, like think about like 21 Bridges. Right. Uh, my, my favorite movie, The Five Bloods, the Spike Lee movie that came out over the summer about the Vietnam veterans. Oh, yeah. That was I was that that was arguably one of my favorite movies of all time because nobody deals with uh, black male f- uh, fragility. And and it was epic and the fact that he was involved in that production and that he had a critical character role in that production was amazing i loved everything about it so he was literally knocking it out the park with the selections of the movies that he was doing and then i'm a big third good marshall fan and he i felt like but for the fact that he's dark skinned and third good marshall's light skin <laughs> other than that he killed the third good marshall movie i think he knocked that out the park so you know, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I have not seen any one of these except for the four Avenger movies. So I'm looking at the time period you're talking about from 2016. The first movie here was a movie called Message from the King, mm-hmm. and this was a movie he had done um, where he was played a South African who came to Los Angeles to avenge the death of his sister. Um, it won some Toronto Film Festival award, right? But then it, it, that's in 2016. 2016, also had Captain America Civil War, which is when they first introduced the Black Panther character in the Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. 2017, he did Marshall. 2018, he did Black Panther uh, Infinity War, right? Mm-hmm. And then in 19, he did Endgame and 21 Bridges. And then 2020, this year, he did The Five Bloods. Mm-hmm. Th- that would, you know, that's Kevin Hart type. Right, for you know, for, 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 for living, except the fact that he actually was in good stuff and, and doing it well, right? But other than that, though, I mean, that's the kind of you know, stuff that you know, you don't get to meet people with that many big parts, you know, some of the most you know, the, the most monumental movies of, of at least the last five years, all while having colon cancer, right? Right, and like you said, enduring chemo. I'm looking at this picture from him in 2000, and um, he did in 2014, he was in draft day. In draft day, I believe, if I'm correct here, he played a, a linebacker or maybe a running back, but a football player. Okay. 
right? So this was, you know, you know, Chadwick wasn't some small guy when he first did Black Panther. He's buff, and he goes through all this chemo, all this weight, right? All, all, all the stuff, and still keeps going. It wasn't like you know that it wasn't taking a toll on him, and he was just you know, and, and, you know, just you know, you know, word for it, you know, it wasn't like this wasn't literally killing him, right? You know, taking 60, 70 pounds off the guy, and he's still working the whole way through. Amazing. Absolutely. So it's, it's my motivation when I wake up in the morning and I have a headache and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this work. You got to think about, like, OK, you know, you can say that. But there are people who are doing way worse who uh, make it look easy. make it look effortless. Well, you must be doing better than I thought, Jesse, because uh, I know I go do the work because uh, I don't I don't like to live outside. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had the kind of choice to think about whether I wanted to do it. Uh, <laughs> I gotta get me I gotta get me up in the in, in there. By the way, let's let's spend a little time to talk about you for a second because you have been doing some 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 big and both significant stuff and cool stuff. Start with, I guess, the the, the, the cool stuff. Um, there's a second podcast. Um, and give that to everybody again. Yes, it's called Pan-Africana. Uh, and the whole point of the podcast in and of itself is to connect the bridges of the diaspora. So what we try to do is we try to pick uh, Black voices from all across the diaspora. We've had people from the UK, people from the West Indies, people from uh, Ghana, Nigeria, you name it. We're lining people up to talk to us about some of the things that are going on in their respective countries, their connection to the diaspora, and providing contact information just for the purpose of us trying to establish our own networks. I think one of the things that is often shocking to people who don't know is that there are a lot of people uh, on the continent, on, on the continent of Africa, who are very receptive to mm-hmm. Black ideas, Black achievement, uh, Black excellence, and who are also demonstrating Black excellence. And I think that some of the things that we lack in America, they have in plenty in Africa. And some of the things that they lack in Africa, we have in plenty here in America. And there's an opportunity for us to kind of step away from the white dominated chains of communication that have fed us misinformation about both sides of the diaspora, right? So we've been told that Africa is poverty stricken and kids got flies on them and you need the white man that looks like Santa Claus to go out there and take your, you know, quarter a day so he can go feed the kids. And then when you see people from Africa and they got mansions and, and right. drive like, oh. uh, likewise, they've been fed a lot of misinformation about us, Right. So right. when they see someone in America who is working, who is educated, who isn't in jail, who doesn't have 12 baby moms, then it's like, oh, wow. So this learning opportunity presents a unique ability and a unique timing for us to really come together, build our networks up and uh, try to get involved in this global marketplace so that we can go out here, make money and bring some much needed investment into both of our communities. So. Uh, check that out. That's actually a really fast growing program. And we've gotten a lot of support. Shout out to all the people in Benin, Togo, Ghana, Nigeria. Uh, I think I, I think that's everybody so far. But we're growing every week. No, no that, that's really cool. And then the closer to home. So I did. I just did this. I typed in evictions, McCoy, Duke in the Google. Right. Okay. News from six days ago. Uh, CDC holds evictions, but advocates say more relief needed. 
And then it talks about Jesse McCoy, an attorney at Duke's University, Salasa, so-and-so said. As COVID ranges, Duke housing hits a home in gentrifying. Uh, That's two weeks ago. McCoy said Duke's housing decision. Durham, two weeks earlier. uh, Durham renters demand half to uh, a halt to evictions, but what more can local government do? And there it is, advice from McCoy. Uh, (laughs) Three weeks ago, virus lights fire under eviction, right to council movement. This is in Law 360. And sure enough, Right. McCoy, supervising attorney. Right. So, <laughs> and so you have been all over right, this addiction fight. And literally, I'm seeing you know, the Raleigh News and Observer, uh, several articles here, Green, and basically everywhere. All right. What's going on that, that has people asking for McCoy's advice? Um, I don't know. I'll let you know when I find out. No, <laughs> the, the big developments are uh, we are dealing with things that are very that are unprecedented. So we have in the past week seen the Centers for Disease Control and Department of Health and Human Services uh, launch their own moratorium on mm. evictions. And but this has never been done before. Right, it's affected by whom? Is it effective in the states? Is it? Yes, across the nation, across America. All right. Um, now, the, the issue is that a lot of people don't know that it doesn't prevent all evictions. It prevents evictions that are based on non-payment of rent, which is Probably ninety percent of them, and it does impose a requirement on tenants to provide their landlords with a declaration signed under penalty of perjury to say that they are eligible. And eligibility just means that you make less than ninety nine thousand dollars a year, which should be ninety percent of the people who are applying. Uh, If you are married, you make less than one hundred ninety eight thousand dollars a year. Oh, good, good, all right. So, you know, and there are some other criteria, but for the most part, it's designed to have wide latitude. And as long as you provided a declaration to your landlord, they can't move forward with the eviction case. One of the concerns that we see developing, though, is it's really not fair to either party. And what I mean by that is the landlord isn't enriched in any way by this eviction. So it's not like there's a financial supplement to it. It's going to cover the rent they're missing out on. And a lot of them are basing your rent or using your rent to pay their mortgage. Right, right. They're not getting rent. That makes them upset. For the tenants, it really kind of kicks the can because it's great. And I'm always going to be for tenants not being thrown out in the street, particularly. But you owe the money still, right. But you're still going to owe the money. You're still going to owe the late fees and related costs. And what's going to happen is ultimately come January, when this eviction moratorium ends, you're going to have an accumulated balance that more than likely is going to be more than what you can afford to pay. And at that point, you will be evicted. So it's good because it gives you a few months to figure out what you want your next move to be for the people who are working. Uh, For the people who are not working, though, it is just going to dig a bigger hole that you will ultimately have to address. And we're all hoping that by January, this issue with COVID will be over, but we also know who we have as president. And uh, the reason why the CDC is making these moratoriums <laughs> in the first place. Uh, so- well, well, exactly now, and I guess we should talk a little bit about this. Today is what the uh, September 9th, and um, the big, big news in, in, uh, you know, around the world today, or at least in America, is the fact that Trump uh, was caught lying, I guess, on tape. 
Um, about the, the pandemic and how there ain't no really any pandemic around here. Y'all always, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, basically got caught saying that it's not a big deal. Or he, was, he was telling us it wasn't a big deal, but at the same time, he's admitting to Woodward on tape, by the way, which is weird, that he's downplaying it. That, yeah, it's a big deal. He knows it'll kill everybody, but still, he doesn't want to tell people that because, you know, these people can't handle the truth. And that was in February. <laughs> in February. Right now, here is the thing that that that's interesting to me. One, have you noticed that everybody's got like a tape on Trump or like some information on Trump that's coming out like every day, right? Just yeah. a little bit. They they, they drip something a, a couple of days before, which I can't remember what what it was because it'll be something else tomorrow. And it seems like everybody's sort of gotten their powder dry and waiting for the last month before the election so they can hit it like Access Hollywood. Absolutely. Um, and you know, hopefully that that's successful. At this point, I'm a little con- concerned that anything will, will work. I went to the Fox, you know, every one of these things comes out, I go to the Fox News page. And I don't know why I do that. I really, you know, I don't know, I have issues. And I'll go and check it out. And I'm always trying to think, okay, no one's going to go, oh my, you know what, I was wrong the whole time. I'm flipping. But I want to see what their excuse is going to be. Right. And, and the White, so the White House came out and said, he didn't downplay it. And I'm like, what do you mean? We got a recording of him saying he downplayed it, right? Right. His people, I said, okay, his supporters, they're going to believe his lie. And the weird thing is they don't believe him, but they don't care. Right. They said, yes, he lied. He was supposed to lie. I would have lied too. I lie all the time. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. I'm lying right now. Like it was like, <laughs> so they're still with him, but they didn't believe the BS. They know he's full of it. They just don't care. Yeah, I mean, the level and degree of privilege that Donald Trump has been able to have is is unprecedented. I mean, there was the issue with the defamation case involving an alleged rape that he committed. Uh, and, and now he's going to have the Department of Justice like <laughs> representing his interests, uh, which is really weird because we pay for that. So the, the degree to which, you know, if, if Obama had done any of these things. If Obama, if Obama got flagged for wearing a tan suit, right? <laughs> like literally, he wore a tan suit, people went crazy. He said Trayvon looks like someone who could have been my son, and people went crazy. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Trump is selling out the election to the Russians, uh, understanding that there are bounties on um, American military personnel, but not caring about it, uh, setting all of us up for death with, with COVID. Uh, just just able to get away with so so much and and his followers will just never ever ever disagree or be upset or frustrated with him because that's how good it is to be white and have someone supporting whiteness it's, but here's what it's not even like it's supporting them right it's like you know they're losing out too but it doesn't matter just as long as like i said he keeps the whiteness going that's really all all, 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 all they care about um I, I'm I'm always I'm always shocked by it too. Uh, let's see. One other thing is we we before we get past and no one make sure we get past you know um, Black Panther or Chadwick Boseman. We we had another death um, since we've been on last. Uh, John Thompson, uh, the great and revered uh, basketball coach for Georgetown. Um, and you know the thing that was interesting is I heard a lot of the NBA players talking about this guy. Now, he's just a coach for one school, right? And mm-hmm. hasn't really coached for Georgetown for 10, 15 years, I would imagine, at, at this point. And mm-hmm. he was still sort of, you know, how do I say it? 
you know, every year, I guess, the All-Star game, he'd come back for there, and everyone would just sort of, you know, gather around him for him to hold court and sort of be, you know, Black Elder, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. and I really like the idea that, you know, there was even a community, right, of, of you know, and obviously basketball is a lot of Black people, but there was sort of a, a respect, right, for, for elders and people who made it possible for all these Black coaches. Because remember, yeah. he was one of the very few Black coaches. Oh, oh! I remember. <laughs> let me let me tell you, John John Thompson had Black America thinking that Georgetown was an HBCU. Thank you. Um, he had so many Black kids coming to Georgetown to play for him. And the thing that I really liked about it is, I think John Thompson exercised a certain standard that he wanted you to meet, but he didn't impose on you. So other other coaches have a system where. Maybe you are a little flashier or you're this or you're that. And they try to peg you down into a position player. They try to peg you down into what they need you to be for the team. And he wasn't like that. I think he addressed people as as men. He was trying to help develop young men into becoming responsible men. Uh, And because of that, particularly, I mean, we're talking about D.C. in the 80s. It was wild times. (laughs) Like you couldn't be a a famous basketball player on the Georgetown team and walk through D.C. and not get robbed because it was a very different time back then. Uh, But he even had, I remember there was an episode of American Gangster where they talked about this drug dealer, Rayful Edmonds, big time drug dealer in D.C. And how Rayful Edmonds used to come and sit front row in the games for Georgetown every, every game. Uh, just to cheer on the team because he wanted to support coach. He wanted to support the team. And for the kids who couldn't afford to get shoes, he was buying shoes for people. Like all the stuff that, you know, now would get you sanctioned. NCAA would shut you down. But just the fact that so many people from so many different walks of life felt comfortable to galvanize for a unified purpose of making sure that these kids going to these schools were going to be successful and weren't going to have any problems, both in the classroom or outside in the street. Uh, and once they became, you know, famous, I mean, we're talking about Patrick Ewan, we're talking about Lonzo Mourning, we're talking about Allen Iverson. Like these are not. No, 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 no. Oh, you what you said, the Kim? Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, the Kim Bay. The Kim also was was one of his guys. Yeah, I mean, these these are are. Man, and, and the reason I I first interacted with John Thompson because uh, I am a UNC fan, and unfortunately, we had to see him lose when we had uh, baby Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it's weird because I wanted to cheer. Like, I've always wanted to cheer for the black coach, always. Uh, and But, you know, I just can't go against Jordan. So uh, I was a child, right? <laughs> I was a child. And, you know, just seeing the grace and dignity of having a black coach who even made a game competitive, because at that time USC was blowing people out, uh, who made the game competitive, made everybody sweat, had everybody, you know, um, revering his status, but also feeling comfortable with who they were and knowing that they were going to leave it all on the court. I think there are just some things that they don't make coaches like that anymore. I think now we make coaches who are going to – especially for college level, who aren't really going to build a relationship with you because you're only going to be there for you. And, you know, the thing about Thompson was, was like you said, you know, was, was, was amazing. And so I took a look at his, you know, his, his coaching record. And mm-hmm. 
Georgetown, we think of now as like always being this, you know, basketball powerhouse. But remember, Georgetown didn't have any other. They don't have a football team, right? At least, right. You know, at least not one that's competitive. They don't have, you know, baseball. This is their only sport, and they weren't competitive until he got there. The year before mm. he got there, they were three and twenty-five, or three mm. and twenty-three, right? Within two years, he had them at five hundred record, and then you know, next thing you know, he's got them, you know, in in the NIT and the NCAA twenty-four times in a row. Like he's totally turned around the program. It, the only reason they have a program is because he got there and started bringing in all these people like Patrick Ewing, right? Like uh, um, Allen Iverson and all the other people you mentioned. The thing that's interesting is is that you know John Thompson himself was six ten. And so he had, and he played a little while himself in the NBA. He had an affinity, or uh, you know, I guess the, the, you know the young, you know, the, the the centers and the big guys, obviously could look up to him literally, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so able to attract a lot of the the best of, of of those guys. But here's the weird weird thing is though, and Shaquille mentioned this: he didn't recruit everybody mm-hmm. because he wanted you to be able to pr- pr- succeed academically at Georgetown too. And so if you could, like, for instance, Shaquille was like, you know, I really respect the man, but he never recruited me. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you not recruit Shaq? Yeah. Because you've got this standard. You say, I'm not sure he's going to be able to make it. But I, you know, I, the, the, this, this program stands for more than just excellence on the basketball court. Absolutely. Right? And if you can't meet all of that criteria, you know, I'm not even messing with it. Because I got to make sure we keep the, you know, our, our total excellence. Which imagine, think about it. You know, you you pass up Shaq. Yeah. You know, but that's what it is. You know, so I, I was, I, I, you know, obviously a lot of respect for the man. Everyone does. Um, you know, a, a, a big loss. You know, on the other hand, though, I'm always, you know, the guy was what eighty, um, almost eighty. Right. You you know if you're a black man you live past fifty five. Uh, yeah, you did good, right? <laughs> you, did good. <laughs> you did all right for yourself. Uh, so I'm, I'm probably you know I'm happy for the brother. Um, and now um, we got to get to I guess more basketball. Let's we're gonna get to the NBA for a second, but we got to take two steps back and talk about the Jacob uh, Blake shooting. Yes. This was uh what, three Sundays ago? Uh I can't even remember. It's it's been a while. I think it was three Sundays ago. Um so for those who don't know, Jacob Blake uh was someone who, depending on which version of the report or which version <laughs> of the article you read, uh was someone who was driving a car, he got out of the car, his kids were in the car, and was responding either to stop a, a altercation between two women or to be engaged in an altercation, depending on what version of the story you read. Uh, and police were called. So police come out to the scene. When the police comes, he you know cleverly tries to get away, get in his car. And as he's walking away from the scene to get in the car, the police open fire and empty a clip into his back. As he's getting in the car on video in front of his kids. Let, let, let's clear up one thing which is irrelevant but amazes me. You, you know, this is point blank. This is an officer not shooting right. across the street. He's literally shooting as a kid, you know, a car full of kids. He misses three of the seven shots. Mm-hmm. From literally at, at with a gun. How the hell do you miss three of the times? All right. Where did those, those three bullets go? Right. I'm, I'm so happy when the kids didn't get shot. Of course, before that hit Blake, really bad, paralyzed yep. him with the waist down. 
This is a 29-year-old man, all right, mm-hmm. who looks like he'll likely ne- never walk again. Um, and by the way, once again, another one of these cases, broad daylight, tons of witnesses. Yep. Right? This isn't something, you know, that happened in the back alley somewhere where they were trying to get away with something. The cops, uh, concluded, this cop at least concluded that, yep, this will be a righteous shoot and everybody will apparently give me a high five for shooting this man in the back seven times mm-hmm. at point blank range. I'm sorry, four times because you can't shoot. There's a, this one I want to say the reason I think that that does matter is there seems to be a paranoia and fear, uh, a rational fear, even in cases in which the man in front of you is not armed, has his back to you. But you're so scared you're just randomly firing off seven shots that you missed th- three times. From uh, literally, the guy was what, what would you say, two feet away, one feet away? I mean, it's yeah, not, yeah. I don't know how you could miss. Unless you just just you know randomly fire, and well, by the way, a crowded street full of people, and it's like you know he put more lives in danger, right? Than than, than he thought he was saving, and I don't know what he thought he was saving. What do you think that Jacob Blake was gonna do? Reach in that car, pull out a gun, and then gun down the seven cops around him with his kids in the crossfire? Yeah, and th- and this is where I get upset because I feel like even with what we saw, the media tries to take the situation and denigrate the victim. Because the first story that came out was, well, he had a knife. And it's like, okay, where is this coming from? They say that he was brandishing a knife when he was shot. Exactly. Until the video comes out. The knife is under the floorboard. I guess the officer is saying, well, I thought he might have been reaching for it. So he was going to pull up the floorboard, right? Pull out a knife against five cops with guns. Right. Who, 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 Who thinks that's the winning formula? Right. Um, and, and, and the idea that he had a knife in his car. Uh, you know who else has a knife in their car? Uh, my wife. Um, and by the way, not because she's planning on stabbing people, but because she, she has a sharp pair of scissors. Because sometimes she picks up packages right from the mailbox and, and wants to be able to sometimes she wants to be able to to to, to open a package. Right. You know, that she has uh, so she can take it to the post office and send someone else. Right. She keeps a sharp thing in, in it because sometimes you want to cut, be able to cut things. You know what I mean? It's not like. Right, that 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 somehow people don't have sharp objects in cars for legitimate purposes. Absolutely. Right, but it's, that being said, so what happens as a result of that is that sort of sparks, um, you know, another round of fury, and the protests in, um, I guess this was in in in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee. Right. Um, and and the most amazing thing is that Friday, the Milwaukee Bucks. Basketball team decides they're not going to take the court. Yeah, well, I mean, we we got to talk about what happened immediately after, though, because when when the protest came, it right. also sparked some ultra vigilance from one particular white teenager who drove across state lines with an illegal firearm, was buddy buddy with the cops in uh-huh. the area, and decided that he was going to take it upon himself to secure the car dealership. There you go, right. Uh, and, and in so doing, uh, killed or at least shot three other people. I think he killed them. Killed two. Killed two. Killed two. Um, and, 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 and shot. Now, here's the most. Um, um, there are two things that are amazing. About, uh, several things amazing about this. One, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're white and you're teaching your children something. Here, here's one thing to teach them. Um, don't do armed security uh, duty for free. <laughs> right. 
nobody in that car dealership asked him to do anything. I don't know who told him that he was police person of the world, all right? But his broke ass drove his mama's car there, right? So I don't know what he's talking about, right? He don't even have a car. You leave other people's business alone. But 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 more importantly was the was the buddy buddy relationship this guy had with the cops. The cops Absolutely. early come by and say, Well, thank you, you you guys, you citizens who are not at all deputized and not at all, you know, have any legal authority. We're happy you're out here with your automatic weapons. We're happy that you're roaming the streets, right? Give you, they gave them water. Like, hey, you know, make, make right. sure you, you stay hydrated. You know, that's important before you shoot a black person. You got to be hydrated. And, and, and the thing that's amazing to me is what black person could, could walk around any street, right, when, with, you know, with armed weapons at night and, and have the cops give them anything but seven bullets in the back? Absolutely. Right. Um, and, and, and the cops basically let us know very clearly what side they're on. All right. They are on. Right. Team White. Oh, and it's not and it's deeper than just the cops. Like even after he, he shot uh, three people, he walks past the police. Thank There's you. no issue whatsoever. He doesn't get arrested till the next day. But did, if you did, you see the press conference of the mayor, the, the, uh, the mayor and the police chief. Police chief says. Well, that's why we have a curfew because people aren't supposed to be out here after seven. It could be dangerous as if to blame the protesters for being shot. (laughs) Like it's it's their fault. The extent that people are willing to go to protect little Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. The the extent they went. It's it's ridiculous. It's disrespectful. Um, And now they're even trying to put together a self-defense argument for him to say, oh, these people were attacking him and he had the right to fire. He was standing his ground when he was being attacked. Right. Like it's it's ridiculous to see the extent that they can go to when we know as black Americans, that standard is never the same. It's not even close. Or to being and let's be clear about the Kyle Rittenhouse um, uh, defense fund set up uh, by, by, oh, by, yes. by, by, by the Christians. Uh, so far, uh, the, the the followers of the Prince of Peace, or the Prince of, in this case, um, you know, AR-15, um, th- th- they have raised uh, 700000 Um, mm, 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 mm. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, wow. That's interesting enough. Um, the lawyer defending uh, Kyle Rittenhouse has just resigned from the defense fund. I guess they um, didn't have enough for him. I guess it was. Um, <laughs> it, it is absolutely amazing. Now, by the way, Kyle Rittenhouse. The thing Kyle didn't realize is this: is he thought he was a cop, you know. Which, by the way, you know, first, you know, it's like you got all these pictures of him in his little, you know, junior cop outfits. Um, right. I assume he got his ass whipped a lot in school. Um, <laughs> You know, his hall monitored ass. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, he retroactively earned all those ass whoopings. But the thing that's interesting to me about it is Kyle thought that he had the blue shield. Um, but remember, the cop who shot um, uh, <laughs> Jacob Blake uh, is still running free. And that's Rustin mm-hmm. uh, Shesky. Um, he, he's, he's still fine. Um, uh, Kyle uh, is, is in juvie, uh, trying to stay away from black people. All right. Uh, Kyle is is, uh, is 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 going to trial. Uh, Kyle, they're going to spend all seven hundred thousand uh, dollars trying to keep Kyle out of jail. The cop who shot uh, Jacob Blake um, will likely uh, be made uh, police chief about in about two weeks. Right. 
So, so Kyle, uh, if, if you're out there listening uh, to the podcast, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, you need to wait till you get the badge before you just start shooting citizens. Yes, yeah, then they're going to work better for you. But you can't just shoot them until you get the badge, you dumbass. See, I can't even say that because George Zimmerman walking around free. Well, he was in jail in Atlanta for a while. But other than that, he's been walking around free for years. He, he, he has been walking around free, um, but he had to spend a little time in, in, in jail up to trial. Um, you know, I don't think about it. I don't know about you, um, but um, I, I, I wouldn't feel too free if I had uh, 40 million black people wanting to whip my ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I had two black people looking for me, and that was scary. <laughs> Shit, you know, 40 million black people who might at any point in time start whooping your ass. Uh, that, 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 ain't, that ain't that free. Um, but, 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 but he isn't in prison. I'll, I'll grant you that. And, and, you know, and we're seeing, so, so as a result, like I went past, so, you know, this all sparked a bunch of outrage, obviously. The NBA players on um, that Friday, Milwaukee Bucks starting because this happened in Wisconsin, said, we're not taking the court. Absolutely. And sure enough, uh, this is the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the team they're playing was Indiana, I believe. I said, obviously, we can't go out there and play nobody. Or I forget that wasn't Indiana. It was um, wherever team they were playing. Uh, I think it was New Jersey. He said, said, we can't go out there and play. Obviously, we got to have someone to play. So we're not mm-hmm. going to go out. Then the next right. game canceled. Next thing you know, uh, the WNBA, they canceled their games. And then um, Major League Baseball had a couple of uh, games canceled. I tell you what I knew got real, when some hockey teams start walking off. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, hell. Um, and then we had an interesting thing come to pass. So Friday night, um, apparently there's a player meeting. All the players sit there, and LeBron and the Lakers and the Clippers say, hey, we out of this bubble. We done. You know, we came in here with all these promises. We could wear Black Lives Matter, et cetera. We could do all this stuff. And then they're still shooting black people like it's nothing. They need to learn. You know what? They ain't going to have us to amuse them in between shooting black people. We gone. Right. And then they got a call from Obese. Yep. Who talked them back into getting back on the court. Um, I, uh, we don't know exactly Well, we do know. I mean, actually there are reports and several reports say that, you know, they were getting ready to go, but Obama sort of talked them back into it. They were able to get the, um, in it, the NFL, the NBA owners to agree to, um, to the extent they can open up their arenas as polling places for the election in, in November. That's, that's good. Um, and I guess some promises that we might try to maybe talk to the mayor in between getting our new stadium. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. This was a, a very, very pivotal moment for black America. And I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Right. Okay. So when, when I heard the news story break, first of all, kudos to Giannis, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name, brother. Gian, you know who I'm talking about? And Tentacupo. Yes. When he came out, I saw the tears in his eyes, and I could tell that this hurt him to his core, which is shocking because, as we were discussing before the show, he's not even from here, right? He's from Greece. And he could go back and have a much better life, especially now that he has all this money. If not this year, definitely next year with the Supermax contract. Yeah, right, right. Um, so so him, uh, you know, coming out and saying, you know what? No, we're not going to play. 
that was powerful. And what we've been waiting for collectively as Black America, we've been waiting for the straw to break the camel's back. And we thought for that moment when the NBA and all, you know, everybody tunes in for the black players. I don't know that many people who were tuned in to see DiVincenzo. You know, it's <laughs> all tuned in for the black players. When, when all the black players said, I'm not going to do it. And then when LeBron said, you know what, we're not going to do it. I said, oh, that day has finally come. They are not going to allow sports to deter people from seeing what's going on on the news. They are going to, you know, now everybody who paid for those television contracts and advertising and all this stuff, they're going to be freaking out because at this point you're losing all your money, not to mention this bubble set up that they got going on in Orlando. Um, You're losing all the investment that you put in, but deservedly so because these are issues that keep getting swept under the rug. Police brutality is something I'm actually teaching a class tomorrow about it. This is something that's been going on since, you know, really since police were invented. So, um, you know, this is something that needs to be addressed. And with this momentum, I believe when other powerful black players see the NBA do this, then they can take these things and go into their neighborhoods. Like the WNBA has won my respect 120% because they were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to be done for the season. And this was when the NBA was still talking about, well, we might miss a couple games. Well, you know, I, I think the sister's always been about it. Right? Well, always. Yeah, um, and, and I think, you know, when it spilled over into Major League Baseball and hockey, and, you know, football season was coming, and I know all the owners been extra, extra on uh, their players. Oh, you better stand up for this anthem. You better – you better be here at this training camp. But that was a legit fear that their players were going to uh, strike as well. And I think in in that moment, Black America finally had, was finding their voice. So the fact that Barack Obama was the person who called this off uh, is is harmful. It's curious in the first part because I'm I would love to hear from him, uh, President Obama. If you're listening, you're welcome on the show at any point in time. <laughs> Uh, just reach out. But I would love to hear from him kind of what his motivation was. We talked a little bit earlier about his role in being a centrist and not really shaking the boat too much. And I can understand that when you're running for president. I can understand that even while you are president, because you're trying to set an example of some sort so that the door won't close on the next person who's black who wants to be president. But what I don't understand is citizen Obama, right? Like you, you got your money. You've got your Netflix specials. You've got your books. Your wife is paid. Y'all are good. You don't really have to placate America anymore when you know that we are being killed in the street, which is something that hasn't changed. This is consistent you know, the whole time. But it, it would seem like now when we're finally galvanizing to do something major about it, this wouldn't be the time to tell people to go back to work. Um, you, you know, yeah. I heard a very strident view this morning. I will disassociate myself from it to say that I didn't say it. Uh, but 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 basically, a guy was basically explaining how he thought that the most dangerous person of black people in America was not even Donald Trump, but Barack Obama for this reason because he has our respect, obviously our admiration. Mm-hmm. Right? We we you know I've, I've referred to him as Black Jesus before, and I, I, here's why I refer to him as Black Jesus. When he was first elected in 2008, I went to church the next Sunday because every black person did. And and at the church, um, they had replaced Jesus on the fans. 
You know how to mm-hmm. handle it, man? Even the more right. Jesus alone, it wasn't even like you know, sometimes you have an advertiser for the car dealer, whatever you do, right? No, no, this yeah. had Barack Obama's face on. He didn't pay nothing for this, right? He, he was like, <laughs> you know what? We were taking Jesus off the fan, right? Put Barack Obama on the handheld fans. That's how much, you know, uh, you know, and, 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 and in some respects, he deserves that reverence because he did do as proud as first black president in the sense that no scandals, no BS, right? No drama, you know, was a, was a fine, upstanding person. You know, but but from a standpoint of, of of protecting his people, it was a weird mentality and almost sort of, you know, it, it, it was strange because to me, it's it, it would have been an ego thing. Mm-hmm. I, when I was, I, was, I have, um, for those of you who don't know, I, when I'm not doing this, which is almost all the time, I, I do continuing ed- education for lawyers. I used to be out on the road all the time, but now we don't have road. So I do webinars, right? Sit in my office and tell jokes into the screen. And we have clients and, and all of that stuff. And the thing that's weird to, or that's interesting to me is, is that my son works here. And mm-hmm. one time one of the lawyers called in and was being a jerk on the phone to, to my son. And I picked up the phone and I was explaining to him that my name is Sean Carter. My son's name is Austin Carter. And um, and what did he have to say before I gave him his money back? Right. Because you ain't going to talk to my son in my business any old type of way. That's right. just, you know, how I was raised. All right. And apparently that's what that's why you can't have a white mom from Kansas. Because right? obviously somebody <laughs> him. My attitude would have been, I'm the president of the United States, and you're going to treat my people like that? Oh, hell no. Right? I'm moving everybody's ass in, 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 in where was that? Um, you know, in George Ford. In, in, yeah. Right? Uh, I'm coming down to uh, where Trayvon was killed, right, in Florida. Right? You know, everybody, you know, you know, shot um, uh, 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 to, to, Mar- to, to Tamir in, in Cleveland. I'm coming. You're going to have to explain this to me how you shoot my people. Right. And I'm the president. And I'm coming, by the way, with my with, with my with, with my troops. You right. gonna have to explain this shit to me, right? We are gonna come in there just like Trump did, with rolling in tanks, and you gonna explain to me how you shoot my people when I'm black president. Right. And Obama never had that. Nope, nope. A lot of research, a lot of studies, right. <laughs> a lot of uh, you know, degrees. You know, for those of you who 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 don't know, Obama had tried tried to do it very under the cover. So you, at least I have done a Google search. I've never found him saying Black Lives Matter. He he, the, the most amazing thing, or the most uh, will be word for it, militant thing he ever said was uh, Trayvon Martin could have been my son. Mm-hmm. That just freaked white people the hell out, right? So he knew he couldn't. He felt like he never could say Black Lives Matter. All right, but he he tried to deal with police brutality on a case-by-case basis, and rather than filing charges against the officers, which only happened once, federal charges, he would go in and they would do a study and say, look, you've been pulling over black people on the road too much, and this is causing these these, uh, confrontations, and as a result, um, you know, we're going to fine you, and you're going to agree that you're not going to pull over any more than 40% black motorists right from now on, et cetera, and tried to sort of work with it on a city-by-city basis and got these cities to agree to less racist police policies, which were a contract between the federal government and the cities, and guess what happened the day Trump got in office? Recension. <laughs> Bye-bye contract, right? <laughs> Basically, I don't even think they ripped up. They just said, we're not going to enforce our side of it anymore, so do whatever the hell you want to do, right? right. And right. Obama, but here's the thing about Obama's, Obama's strategy is, it was fraught from that from the beginning because it depended upon having a liberal democratic administration in 
to keep the contracts going, right? And right. You know, versus you know federal charges, or once the officer's in jail, you don't have to worry about right you know him getting out by the next president, <laughs> or maybe you would with Trump. Um, but the idea was sort of you know to do it very under the radar, right? These weren't highly publicized things, and the, the you know to try to sort of keep. I don't know who he was trying to keep happy, but like you said, as a private citizen, there is nobody Obama needs to keep happy. Absolutely. Think about it. He can go on TV and say, Michelle, kiss my ass. All right. I don't give a damn. Right. You, you know, I got $80 million. You take 80, you go on. Right. He doesn't have anybody in the world that he needs to, to, to kiss, but to, with, with, and, and the idea that he continually sort of tries to play Mr. Nice Negro. Yeah. I mean, I want to believe that it's something more to it. I know he's got the Obama Foundation supposed to be connecting a lot of people who have these interests in movements and social activism uh, with money to finance their issues. Maybe there's some plan, but, you know, I think as as a people, we are we're getting tired of plans. Right. So Jay-Z and Roger Goodell, that was a plan. Right. (laughs) Everything is a plan. And at some point you don't see the plan actually come to fruition. Uh, which means that it wasn't a plan. It was just a way to get people to stop exercising their voice at a time when it needed to be exercised. Well, well, absolutely. And, you know, the idea, like, you know, this is always a kind of a, a, you know, a third degree triangulation. What I mean by that is versus, you know, going directly to the cities themselves. Now you're going to the NBA, which is going to set up a $100 million fund, Right, that will then maybe petition. You know, I mean, it's it's like no, no, no. Right, <laughs> you know, when the NBA owners need a new stadium, they don't have to set up a forty million dollar plan. They call the mayor and say, "Give me my damn stadium, or I'm out." Right, right, right. And you could have done exactly that. You know what? Arrest that officer, or we're out of here. All right, or you know, more and more and more. Hopefully, you know what? You need to cut thirty percent of this police budget off. All right, or we're out of here. All right, we're not going to keep having games for you to then be shooting our fans on the way to and from the stadium. Right. And 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 the idea that really no one, you know, that the owners, it, it's amazing how effective they are with government when it's their stuff, when it's important to them. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. Right. And, the, and what happens is the players were finding a way to make it important to the owners because the owners were about to lose their asses. All right. When mm. the NBA left that bubble, they were going to lose all that TV revenue, right? <laughs> they were going to lose the millions and millions that they had given to Disney, right, to have the host the games. Mm-hmm. Right? They were going to, 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 to have, you know, advertisers, sponsors, everybody, you know, on the hook here. And, you know, in a sense, Obama sort of, you know, encouraged the players and, 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 and you know, and obviously think about it. If you're LeBron James, do you not listen to the first black president? About an issue of you know for our people, of course you do, right? Who's going to say all the hell with Obama? He don't know what he's doing. I got one year high school, so I know I know more than Obama, right? I'm saying, (laughs) right, right, and 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 I, you know, and it's 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 unfortunate. Now we have to be fair to Obama. A lot of people in the past, you know, would criticize King. And there were people in, you know, Stokely Clark Michaels and, and, and some of the Black Panthers, Fred Hampton's more, you know, aggressive, militant Black people who, you know, were suspicious that King maybe didn't have everybody's best interest in art. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is part of the lesson I teach my class as well. Like, I think that how your revolution looks 
from your perspective is based on what you saw before you. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, a lot of people don't know, but Thurgood Marshall used to write Martin Luther King letters to say what you're doing is going to get you killed. Right, right, right. Because right, right. <laughs> he was like, you know, we're just, you need to be in court. And, you know, we already got the rights, just fight for the rights in court. And Martin Luther King, young Martin Luther King, was saying, you're taking too long. That takes too long. We need right, stuff right. now. We're going to do nonviolent protests. Well, Stokely Carmichael comes along, and his introduction to this is getting beaten and arrested 21 times. So he says, right. what am I getting beaten and arrested for? And you telling me to keep getting beaten and arrested for the hope that some white people in a room in Washington, D.C. will come up with legislation. And even though they did that, how long did it take you to get that? I don't want to wait that long. And I don't want to keep getting beat up. So from now on, I if somebody coming to beat me up, they're going to have to fight me for it. And I think the the shift in that really also go coincides with what you see at the time as well. So Stokely Carmichael, I think, coined this um, black power phrase in 66. But you see in 67, Muhammad Ali is fighting against the government because they're trying to send him to Vietnam. And he's like, well, ain't no Vietnamese person ever called me no nigga. So, <laughs> so, so you just see that this, this whole push for what they consider separatism, but what black people consider recon- recognition of our humanity, or else we need to make sure that we're willing to fight for our humanity. Um, and I think that's kind of where we've been stuck ever since. And and what's funny to me is throughout our history, we had separatists. We had Malcolm X, who was like, no, you can do this with your own stuff. You don't need to rely on them. He's dead. We had Martin Luther King that was like, oh, you're a nonviolent protest and let's work it out through legislation. He got killed. We we had, uh, you know, even the more militant people, we had UEP Newton. He got killed. It's it's like it, the road never ends gracefully. Fred Hampton killed, right? It never ends gracefully for anybody who is seeking change. It doesn't matter how peaceful or how violent you claim you want to be. It looks like in America, there is a recognition universally that black labor is the basically the engine that drives this American train. And whenever black labor is jeopardized, then there needs to be some form of appeasement for the people who are influential, or there needs to be some form of punishment for the people who make the biggest and loudest statement. And I think what I'm a little concerned about with this situation is that it seems like Obama may have let himself be used as being that influential person to, you know, kind of water down and dilute what was a very good, very organic moment in time for black people to stand up and recognize that there are some things that are more important than basketball. Right. No, absolutely. And this is the thing is, you know, we have so little leverage in, in most regards. We don't have the money. Like for instance, a few years ago when we threatened to black out, right, the NFL. Mm-hmm. The NFL was like, yeah, go ahead. All right. right. Because you, you don't buy none of our luxury boxes. Right. right, you know, you, you're not your your company. You, you, you're not advertising on our, you know, because you don't own, you know, Avis and, and all those places, you know, that would that have the money to advertise with us, Coca Cola and Pepsi, etc. We don't really care what you do, all right, you know, because these white people are mad and they really have all the money. But this is the area where we actually had power because we had the, the whole athletes, like you said, nobody is showing up for a game, all right, for the two white guys. It's, first of all, you can't even get a whole team; it's gonna be two on two. Right, who can call a show for a whole team, right? <laughs> But certainly not, and the two guys they got are going to be the worst two players you got, right? So why would anyone, like, you know, they had the leverage here. 
you know, I assume Obama's thought here was 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 you know he, he thought he was doing, and maybe Trump in, in in hindsight he did the right thing. But I agree with you. I think this is an opportunity missed. I love the NBA. I mean, I I watch. I'm if we weren't doing this now, I'd be watching it now, right? So as we get mm-hmm. off, I'll watch it to the end of the game. I, I like the you know it's, it's not like I'm not a basketball fan, but I would be more than happy to give it up for the idea to have people say, "Wow, you know what? These Negroes are going to keep entertaining us if we keep shooting them." We might have to Absolutely. give up shooting them to, to get the, to keep the entertainment going, okay? Absolutely. And we lost an opportunity. And by the way, that's not here's the weird thing about Obama. Here, he was almost even more conciliatory than Dr. King. Dr. King tried to get the athletes to sit out of uh, the '68 Olympics, right? And um, and you know, or was it '64? Carlos, so six, and, and the athletes said, "No, no, we'll go." And Carlos and and, and, and you know, and and and, and the Tommy Smith said, "You know, we'll protest there, but we're not going to, you know, give up our, you know, or going to, you know, to to, to, to the Olympics." Right. But, but but you know, King understood that you know sometimes you got to put pressure where you have it with leverage, and we don't have leverage in a lot of places. That's one area we had leverage. Right. You know, I thought about friends. I was, I, when, when it happened, I said, you know what? We should have a labor strike. You know, for all of us. And why the NBA players have to do it? You know what? And lawyers, let's do this. As black lawyers, let's not go to work. And then I realized uh, they'd be more than happy if we, not, we didn't go to work on Monday. <laughs> because we're, literally, we are like less than 5% of lawyers. They would replace Absolutely. us. And, right? It wouldn't be any problem at all, right? Absolutely. They'd be like, oh, we got we got Jesse McCoy out of the way. Now we can go screw over all you, right? all he was represented. We've been waiting for him to quit. Right. And, and so yeah, it, it, it's like, you know, we didn't have enough leverage there that we could shut down anything, right? But you know, the NBA and there are only a few areas. Now, what do you think is gonna happen with pro football? Because, you know, in the past, I've been harsh on those brothers. I have been on team CTE for several years now. And <laughs> When they get a little brain damage, I'm just always like, yeah, well, you weren't using the brain anyway. All right. So, <laughs> so, so tell me, they seem like they're going to be a little more military. Are they at least going to make snow angels on the 50 yard line during the national anthem this year? No. Uh, they're, they're starting tomorrow, <laughs> and it looks like all things are going to be normal and as usual. Uh, even, I think Jerry Jones even had a statement maybe a week ago. Well, he was like, you bet your ass we stand enough for this flag. <laughs> so so I, I just think you know, that's why the basketball strike is so and, – and I hate to put my hopes and dreams into somebody else because they're living the life that I wanted to live and I couldn't get there. But I feel like basketball is the sticking point because the NFL players largely aren't going to do it unless they see somebody else who's more influential do it. Uh, and I think that's just because they don't have secured contracts and all that. So, yeah, you could literally be gone tomorrow. Right. Uh, <laughs> and here's the thing. They also know the other NBA NFL players ain't going to stand up for you. So if you stick your leg out there, they're going to let your ass go because they've proven it. Right? They already they already show what happened with Cap. Right? They all let Absolutely. him go. And he the quarterback. If you're going to let the quarterback go, you know you're going to let the offensive lineman go. Right? You ain't going to worry about that. And, and you know, and, and, and that's why CTE. I imagine do what you do. All right, these brothers ain't <laughs> brain, so go ahead and let them. You know, get brain damage for our joy and benefit, because this is how bad football players are. They play in the most dangerous sport. And you just mentioned it. They don't have guaranteed contracts. Mm-hmm. Now, how stupid is that? You play the sport most likely to get hurt in, and you don't have guaranteed contracts. Basketball. I think you go to jail if you file somebody hard. I think. <laughs> And they all got guaranteed contract. Just in case you hurt your piggy toe, I you you gonna get your twenty five million, right? 
football player, you are you out there with broken arm and leg trying to you know, get rent money. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. And I don't even, you know, I haven't heard anything about COVID precautions, but for the fact that they're not going to be cramming the stadiums. I think the stadiums are open and they're going to try to impose social distancing. But I guess they were like, Bumper, you can get all the COVID you want here. You know what I'm They are opening the COVID arenas. You're absolutely right. Here's, the, here, here's how it works. They will sell as many tickets as the city lets them. So some cities say you can't have a public event. Others say, you, you know, we don't care. They'll put as many people in the arena as they can, and they don't give a damn about these players, all right? But, you know, you go out there and get your COVID money. Um, you know, do, do, do what you, you all do. But I agree. I think we missed an opportunity. Now, I think what we need is we're going to have to get rid of Obama, and we're going to have to replace our leader with one of these white women who wants to do the job. <laughs> whether it's Rachel Dolezal, whether it's uh, the new one, Jessica Krug was the uh, GW, George Washington professor, what, of yes. African American studies? Yes. Uh, was it African American studies? I can't remember. But yeah, professor. And, and, and I know that History. she, uh, she turned out to be a, a whole ass white woman. Um, who knew? <laughs> the well, about, apparently, a whole bunch of people knew, and they were getting ready to expose her. And that's is, that, is, that why she finally came out? is that why she finally came out? Yes, yes. There were uh, students who ended up researching it, and I think uh, one of them actually approached her about it. And uh, and when they started putting their research together, I mean, they're well trained, so she must have did some of them right. But <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, "Let me get ahead of this," you know. Uh, and it presented a lot of issues, even in academia. We were talking about, you know, what does this mean? If she was tenured, right? Like, typically, if you're tenured, you won't be fired. So what's going on? But apparently they made the situation so bad that she decided to resign. Uh, it definitely brings the school down because you can't be out here, you know, getting caught up in lies. <laughs> and then you saying, know, oh, yeah, you're, 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 you're right about that. Now, the thing that got me, though, about her was... Um, here's what I want to talk to you about because I, I I think that this is happening partly because we're not doing it right as black people and, and here's what I mean by this I imagine that, that part of the reason that she pretended to be black is because she wouldn't have any credibility talking to black people about black stuff if you're not black hmm and she would have been, you know, wolfed down just like uh, the white guy in uh, in Black Panther, right? When uh, he tried to talk in the, in the meeting, right? Um, <laughs> and we also applauded that. But I wonder if we're not shooting ourselves in the foot. And this is something, you know, by the way, I understand. I'm going to lose about three. I'm going to be light-skinned when this is over. All right, I'm going to lose. <laughs> about that. No doubt about that. But here's what I find is different, that's interesting about conservatives, if you want to be a black person and you want to sell out for, for white supremacy, you want to be a supporter of white supremacy as a black person, white people will welcome you with open arms and make you a superstar. Absolutely. All right. Kundis Owens. Uh, they got <laughs> brothers. Uh, or I, I took on recently, Ken Dunst Owens, right? Um, but then you got a couple brothers who have a YouTube channel. These brothers have been having a YouTube channel for about a week and a half. They got 2 million subscribers. Hmm. Million subscribers. 
Okay, they're making real YouTube money now. Why? Because if you're a black person and you want to fight for white supremacy, white people will embrace you. Right. They will give you money. They don't have to pretend to be to be to be to, to be white. They don't have to go in there and white face, right? You know why? Because they actually getting paid extra, a black premium for selling us out, right? <laughs> right. Right, which makes sense. And, and, and part of us, we do it almost backwards. We're just like, yeah, go ahead and, you know, sell out your privilege. And by the way, just know that, uh, you know, we, we, we're going to kind of uh, treat you bad. And, and then if you make a little money, we're going to kind of be mad at you. Right. And, <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. We want people to be on our side. I've seen it with Clarence Thomas. You mm-hmm. know how white people treat Thomas. You think that, that black people love them some Chadwick Bozeman? That ain't shit compared to white people in Clanstown. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I am not kidding you. All right. I, I was at a, 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 a luncheon I spoke for him years ago, and the, you know there was there was a line of people. I spoke. I got a stand ovation. I was good. You think anybody want to talk to me when there's after? No. <laughs> They want to talk to, to Uncle Clarence, all right? Had the kids, you know, four-year-old kids talking about this is my hero. I'm looking up to you. I want to be just oh like you. They love some Clarence. Why shouldn't they? He is doing a wonderful job for white supremacy. Right. right? And I got to tell you, you know, we see it with Rachel Donaldson. Because these aren't women, by the way, who are just pretending to be, you know, regular black women. They out there trying to be activists. Right, trying to try yeah. trying to lead stuff. And I imagine it might have been hard. Like Dolores was what head of the Washington, you know, NAACP. NAACP, yeah. Right. It'd been hard to the white woman doing that, right? And it's like, you know, I'm trying to think that maybe we need to be allowing them to, to come in white and and to <laughs> and, and, and as long as they're willing to fight white supremacy, uh, to, to give them, you know, their cookies and, and because People don't like to give cookies, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, cookies are delicious. <laughs> well, this, are this, this is my viewpoint on it, and it's, and it's different. My viewpoint on it is this. I feel like they. how are you able to take advantage? It tells me that you weren't confident in your own abilities to win in the white people's race. So you decided <laughs> that you would be white to win the white people's race. Right, because white people would accept you. You know you would get the job if you applied because white people can accept you because you look more like them than all the other black candidates who are applying for that job, right? Right, And you know enough about white society and white culture to blend in. I'm sure she eats hummus. I'm I'm sure she enjoys all the things they enjoy with raisins and the potato salad. I'm sure she does that. But they can still check the box saying that they're a diverse campus because they've hired her, right? Right, 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 right. And I have had that thought before, too, that, you know, maybe we were getting just the white people who couldn't make it in whiteness, right? They got thrown out of Team White and decided to come on over to our side. Right. And and, and there is is some suspicion, suspicion about that, but I don't know how we can get to a point where we can encourage more of them to sell out because, you know, white people have been very good about encouraging us to sell out because they make it lucrative. When I found out, you and I have been doing this podcast for I don't know how many years now, but the conservative twins, I didn't want to give them, but the two brothers, I can't remember their, their names. Um, these brothers, I look like I said, 2 million YouTube subscribers. You know how few people have 2 million YouTube subscribers? Mm. Right? I mean, you know how, I mean, I, I saw something recently that showed that 
with um Facebook on Facebook, like the top post with Black Lives Matter in um the, the you know in the post somewhere of the like last month of, of the thirty of them, they had like half of the posts that were the most popular. Now, by the way, they had nothing good to say about Black Lives Matter for 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 for, for, for thirty days. All right. It was all, you know, lies and, you know, and, and you know, and they could come and, you know, rape all the women and, you know, and, and, and steal your food. Right. And, and, and the bottom line, though, was, is that, you know, they are. If, if, think about it. If, if you ever decide you want to sell our blackness, we will be rich in a week and a half if you want to. <laughs> We, we we start the you know the the the, the Coon brothers in law and we will be number one all right on every tunes all right because there is you know white people will be more than happy to support and and, and that same thing think about it you know Coon you you talk about people you know sort of switching sides Candace Owens is a perfect example of that you know she tried to make it on this side said so it was hard making it black mm-hmm. let me go find me a white man sound over there oh look at this they love me over here. <laughs> Well, you know, Candace Owens is a whole nother issue because I, I feel like not only she's worse than a sellout because not only does she sell out, she picks fights with people who aren't even in the arena with her. Thank you. So instead of her trying to go after Angela Rye or Simone Sanders Thank or you. anybody like that, she's going to pick on Cardi B. Like, granted, Cardi B, I feel like she's been very involved in politics in this past year just because she's so anti-Trump. But Cardi B doesn't do this for a living, and you know that. So she's going to go out and try to pick a fight with Cardi B, who, for the most part, people love. Uh, and for the people who don't love them, they haven't seen the WAP video. Uh, <laughs> so, like so she's going to pick a fight with Cardi B, of all people, uh, simply because she sat down with President Biden. And and I guess I felt two ways about that. So one was, you know, I just generally dislike Candace Owens anyway. Right. Uh, but the other one is I felt kind of disrespected by Joe Biden and I shouldn't have, but I did because he needs to know that anybody that you sit down to talk to is going to be put in a spotlight where conservatives are going to attack them. Right, right. And I feel like Joe Biden, you know, at this point has enough interaction with the people who are really involved in that industry to be able to sit down with Angela Rye, you know what I'm saying, or Abby Phillips or whatever, and have people who actually can fire back with facts, statistics, all that stuff that pollsters need, right, as opposed to Cardi B. It makes me almost feel like he met with Cardi B just to get her to tell her followers that he's cool. So it was like a using situation in my mind, which I understand. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, Joe, we ain't really with you. Right, like we just against Trump. Like I need you to understand. You got some accountability that we need to hold up. But you did, you, you did pick Kamala, uh, Kamala, and we we're we're halfway happy about that. Right. Um, and and Trump is very bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're we're definitely trying to get him up out of here. But I don't want him taking advantage of the stuff he has to think that he's, he doesn't have to be accountable for any of his stuff either. Uh, which he probably doesn't in this election cycle. I'll give him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and let me just say this, you know, to 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 one or two white women who might be listening here and might be inspired. Uh, you don't have to go this far. Um, <laughs> I, 
uh, you know, certainly I think, for instance, what was her name? Had a, had a black husband, um, Dolezal. Um, mm-hmm. I would tell you, sadly, um, you can get a black husband. Um, sadly, you, you, you don't have to be in cute, really. Um, you, you might need to put on forty fifty pounds, um, but but you can find a black husband for some reason. Um, and so don't don't do it for that. Um, do it for 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 the love of people. You might have to tell the truth for now. Um, but I'm gonna work on making sure that we you know we we push away. We we're not gonna can we can we at least do this? Can we at the cookout uh, have um, uh, a raisin potato salad, a uh, little, you know, area, um, maybe a little hummus <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe put the pumpkin spice or so, few and few rib tips. All right. Um, but but we're going to have to find a way to allow uh, them to sell out as well as conservatives have allowed black people to sell out. Yeah, and you know, I think we do. I think we we allow white women to sell out and join. I'm not even gonna say sell out, but to support our cause. It's just that the capital that you get for doing so looks different, right? right. So you know, Jane Elliott been out here killing it, and, and people love Jane Elliott videos on YouTube. Um, but at the same time, you know, her capital is being cool, which it, in America means a lot. If black people think you're cool, right? Uh, we. we Carried Justin Timberlake for decades, <laughs> for decades until he decided he wanted to be white, and <laughs> he messed up with Jada Jackson, and uh, he was on the ropes, and then he just decided he was going to be country western, and that was yeah. it. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, 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 I think he saw what was happening to black people, like shit. <laughs> yeah. I had the best thing going. I was white. I don't know what I was thinking about, and so yeah, yeah I, 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 I agree with you. Um, that you know there is some, and, and there, you know there are people like you know a, a Tim, a, a Tim Wise, um, mm-hmm. you know who you know I've got a lot of respect for. Um, but you know I, I, the thing I think is different is this, and it might make sense because we, we you know you're gonna have to put in more time before you you, you build some credit with us. Those right. brothers I was telling you about, you know, with the YouTube channel, uh, they've been out there about three weeks. Right. White people, they, they, have, they have no credit, white people. Just come on out, say something about black people, and we're good with you. And we're not going to, you're going to have to say more than one thing about white people before we we let you in on, on the team. So, yeah, I agree. We're, you know, it's, it's going to be a longer process. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I just don't understand. Like you said earlier, like the stuff you say is going to make black people upset. Could you really live with the money if you, if you have 40 million black people <laughs> looking for you, right? Right, right. And I couldn't even deal with, you know, you you know, your time going to a black church is over as soon as you do that. There's no, you know, the old ladies and the deaconesses are not going to just let you walk up in there and get a fan. No doubt. The last thing I guess we'll end on the very happy well, is the R. Kelly um continuing drama. Absolutely. Yeah, R. Kelly. So R. R. Kelly apparently was attacked uh, in, during our hiatus. I know yeah. a lot of you are laughing, and you shouldn't be, because jail attacks are not funny. At the same time, I understand. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in this situation, though, there are a lot of things that are going on with R. Kelly, and I think you know there have been questions that people have fielded about why is he still in custody and what's going on there, when is his trial, et cetera, et cetera. So R. Kelly is charged with the smorgasbord of charges, yes. not just in one state, but federally 
in oh. multiple states. <laughs> so apparently he is trying to figure out a way to bond out. But some interesting things have happened uh, that I've labeled karma, but what we would label as just, you know, par for the course. COVID-19 hit. So COVID-19 has impacted the ability of his attorneys and representatives to be able to get in touch with him. And he can't read or write. So it's not like they can send him worksheets to fill out. Right, right. They keep in touch. They have to actually meet with him face to face because it's not like you get unlimited phone privileges in jail. Um, they have to meet with him. And unfortunately, because of COVID-19, they are not necessarily able to do so. R. Kelly alleges, according to TMZ, that the guards were well aware of this inmate's intention to harm him and actually left him vulnerable for the inmate to do him harm. Um, which is very interesting, you know, in itself. I, I think karma is probably a good way of saying it because it's like, well, you know, we all knew that what you were doing with these underage women, but <laughs> at the same time, people left you alone to do what you wanted to do. But that's neither here nor there. Well, um, no, 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 no. let's talk about why the guy did it. Because here's the thing about I said, okay, what beef, you know, he was mad. Maybe he, he wanted to get his money back for a concert or a Kelly cancer, whatever it was. And no, no, the guy himself says, I have any beef with R. Kelly, but I got a case here that I can't get any media attention on. So I would R. Kelly. So that I could, you know, make sure you talk to me. And sure enough, people talk to him about his case or whatever. Which, by the way, is real bad because a lot of other people who want media attention. Um, so mm-hmm. R. Kelly might, might get a lot of ass with this. And, and secondly, <laughs> you know, I'm always amazed by that because on the one hand, um, you know, I, I, I would have to, you know, I have a little couple workout sessions with R. Kelly before I decided that I was sure I could whoop him. Right to get my my PR time, um, you know, maybe R. Kelly learned something in there. Uh, apparently not. Um, I'm normally not a fan of prison justice, and I'm not even a fan of it here. And you know, I never think there's any justice to it. Um, but um, I'm certainly not going. To, I'm I'm gonna sleep okay tonight, right? <laughs> I'll put it that way. You know, I wish that you know that that you know we allow the system to 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 work a little better and more humanely. Um, hopefully, um, there's, there's some questions I have about the whole thing. In the sense that, for instance, I understand that, um, you know, what our, our, our Kelly's accused of doing is, is heinous. I don't suspect that he's innocent, but I do find it amazing that, um, everybody else seems to be able to get out prior to trial because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So we have the the guys who, um, the, the, the cop Chauvin who killed, um, George, um, Floyd. He's out on bond. I believe that Cohen, who had already been right um, convicted and was serving his sentence, I believe they let him out because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, They um, they seem to let basically everybody out of jail, but R. Kelly and Bill Cosby. Yeah, I mean, I see that point too, but I also see you know that R. Kelly, at least allegedly was having people tamper with witnesses, like trying to intimidate <laughs> witnesses to not testify. That's not going to help. Uh, <laughs> um, I think he's desperate. I think that R. Kelly is out of money. Uh, and I think largely the attorney, Mr. Greenberg, who's working on this case, is doing it. Maybe, you know, he maybe he got paid up front, you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be. I think he's doing it more so for the media attention. Right. That the story is going to generate for other business ventures. Absolutely. Um, but R. Kelly looks like he's about done. And I think because he's about done, that may explain 
why he's not able to post any kind of bonder bill. I, I think, you know, getting your songs canceled, if you've been living check to check when you didn't have to, getting your songs canceled, uh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it hurts. You know, R, R. Kelly has definitely has been, um, I don't know how to say this, um, stupid. That's just all they to say about it. You know, in addition to, you know, all of his foibles, personal, and, and, and not, we can't really call it foibles, we're talking about crimes here. We're also talking about the fact that, you know, this is a guy who's made a lot of money over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be um, millions. I mean, hundreds of millions. I mean, it's got to be a ton of money. And how do you have none of it left? Mm. Right? Like, you know, how in the world do you actually, like you said, you know, he's, he's living, he's sitting around, you know, going to the mailbox every 1st and 15th trying to get, you know, that, 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 um, you know, money from, uh, you know, from, from SoundCloud, right? Or, you know, or, or, or from, uh, you know, the, the you know, the, the people who do the, you know, the, the royalties. And it's like, come on, man, what were you doing all the time? I think we know that. We know what he was. Well, we didn't know. It, it, it couldn't it shouldn't have been that expensive. I mean, everybody else is is doing you know hopefully with 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 overage people, but it's not like he's the only one out there living crazy, right? But somehow you know it, it just you know it, it, you know once again though here's the thing. But I'd be wondering how much money was stolen from the brother since he can't read. Oh oh absolutely, I definitely think he it wasn't just him making money. He made a lot of other people and corporate interest money, and I think that's half the issue of why he was able to get away with this for so long. Right. Um, but but at the same time, I mean, it just, it's one of those things that always comes back uh, only because he had a great run. He tried to get away. He beat, I think, the charge. I know he beat the Florida charge. I want to say. Yeah, the video was bad. I mean, we had him on Dead to Rights video, and I don't know how he got off on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that was and that, that was absolutely, you know, tra- I mean, ridiculous, right? I mean, you're on video. Yep. And and this is just a side note. If you sing R and B, all you R and B singers, don't go to prison, right? <laughs> it's not. It's probably not going to end well for you if you are a vocalist and R and B singing love songs. Because when you get to prison, people aren't necessarily going to look at you like a rapper or look at you. Right, like right, 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 right. They're going to look at you like a soulful, you know, love song guy, and they may want to hear love songs. <laughs> 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 you ain't right. You ain't right. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I hear you. I, I hear you. Um, and so, you know, the, would you, you know, I was gonna say that you know, I looked at R. Kelly's charges earlier, and I could not even fathom. And because you said it were, you know, number of federal states, and it, and it was like everything he got was like, oh, by the way, you. You know, brought this person over state lines. Mm-hmm. Right, so now we got you Georgia, Alabama, and the federal charge for the state lines. But then you also went to Mississippi, so we got Georgia. You know what I mean? And it was like mm-hmm. the charges. I mean, it, it, you know, he is actually going to, you know, likely be convicted. And and you know, I, I understand partly why they won't let him out as a flight risk because the time he's going to get, it's going to be life. Uh, yeah, or the equivalent. I mean, you know, you'll get 75 years, but that's going to be life, right? And so I guess the idea is, well, he will run, and he has nothing to keep him here because he certainly doesn't own anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I could I, – so so maybe that's the idea of, you know, keeping him there as his flight risk. That's what they say, you know, you, you, you probably would run. 
I'm going to tell you a little secret. I probably shouldn't tell you. Um, if I was in that situation, I'm running. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I don't know what my future holds, but here's what I do know. You will never see me marching into a jail. <laughs> I am running. Yeah, man. No, you gotta make sure you do your Gail King interview before you go. You gotta. I gave y'all thirty years. <laughs> you killing me? Oh man! You know, and you know, we. I, I did a, a a live, which was fun actually, and we did it on Colts. And R. Kelly mm-hmm. was obviously, you know, trying to 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 run his own coach. Maybe we'll talk about this next time because just you know, what is it about men where it seems like you cannot give a man any respect, authority without him trying to abuse it? I mean, yeah, that's that's a great conversation. I don't hear about Oprah, right? Mm-hmm. Having just, you know a bunch of butt naked men running around her place, right? Mm-hmm. And she. In rooms, and by the way, if Oprah, if you want to keep me, uh, you negotiate my wife, call her. Uh, I'm sure she will go for, for, for a good price. And you know, as a matter of fact, uh, the way uh, the way I've been acting recently, I think she will let me go pretty cheaply. Uh, so you call her, you won't, <laughs> uh, but 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 you know, it's like you never see women thinking about any stupid stuff like that. But every man, you give him thirty five dollars, he out there right trying to get a harem. Yeah, but you know, I think a lot of that is because, and I and I have these conversations with my wife quite often. I think a lot of that is because, you know, as a young person, you tend to want to embellish the things that you don't have, right? right. And that's what for a man creates your value. So, you know, I wanted to be an NFL player, not because you know I love football. I mean, I thought I did. But because I knew it would give me access to be able to do all the horrible things that I had no business doing, right. but I don't have the money to do it, right? right. And I feel like, you know, one, it explains why, you know, God didn't see fit for me to go that route. Number two, I think it also explains, you know, how other people who get there invest so much time, effort, and energy into getting there. So R. Kelly wanted to be the this this guy. I mean, he's, he even sold me on the image of who he was and how women just gravitate to him because he's R. Kelly and he got money and he's successful and he can sing. And I just thought this whole time that, you know, he came to the club, the girls just came to him. Even if you brought your girl to the club, you just prepared the music that night because R. Kelly showed up. You It was all good until Kells came through. And, uh, and, and that's why I was so hurt when I was like, hold on, what you mean they underage? What you mean? Like they got parents looking for them? What you mean? Like he beating people, he handcuffing right. people, won't let them laugh at comedian jokes. Like he's the most insecure person. And it it just reflected back to me, hey, he got money to hide his insecurity, right? He right. really feels like a loser. That's what he feels like. He does things that losers do. He's trying to intimidate women. He's trying to have a whole bunch of them to make them feel like they're they're replaceable. Right. right? But he's doing this to hide things that he feels about himself. Right? Well, no, and, and that's true. But it's, it's weird how only, like I said, only men have this. And this, by the way, I thought about this because, you know, the, what was the guy who, uh, the, the, the Trump cult, 
right? Where basically people are almost like that way with Trump, right? Where they're like, get away with anything, just say whatever he wants, et cetera. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Trump got a weird cult because he's not even getting a lot of sex out of it, apparently. But it seems like almost everybody else who gets a following, it, it immediately goes to that. And we got to we make sure we put this on, on, the, on the calendar for next time because we got to talk about this idea that we were all sold that that's really success. Success is having all of the women. Right. If you think about it, you know, you Hefner, um, you know, when I was growing up in the 70s, that was the, the you know, the goal of manhood. Right. right. To be running around in your pajamas. Right. With a bunch of women that, that can't stand your old crusty ass. All right. <laughs> but that was and by the way, that white and black. And that, that was it. That, that was the you think about it. You know, every, even brothers wanted to hang out with Hefner. Right. At the Playboy Mansion. Right. He, he, I don't think they want to hang out with Hefner. I think they want to hang out with the girls that was hanging out with. They want to hang out, but think about it. Everybody thought that was the coolest thing in the world, and you know, and this idea that that is, you know, that's the, the you know, because we don't sell women on that idea. Like, hey, you know, go out there and you know, and, and write this book and make all this money, girl. You can have you all these men. Nobody thinks about that, right? Right. Somehow we sold men on, on this idea, and to the point where you know, it. it it, 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 like I said, you know, it, where, where people get to the point where they're they're not just, you know, living out these, you know, ridiculous fantasies, but like you said, to the point where they're beating people and keeping them in cages, right? Doing things you would never, that even that, not even in the, you know, the, the playbook, right? Mm-hmm. To try to keep up this image that you got all these these women because somehow that would make you feel good. And I understand why because you know I, I grew up in the same society you did, but but hopefully you know we need to get past that because. Obviously, it's not, you know, it didn't work out well for, for R. Kelly. And here's the thing about I found about it. It didn't work out for any cult leader. Mm. You think about it, Jim Jones, right? Uh, David Koresh, uh, you know, it, it, you know it, it, uh, Manson, it, it, it never works out well, right? You know, if you read the, the tea leaves, understand uh, a harem is going to get you, maybe if you're lucky, 75 years in jail, uh, more likely uh, dead. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's been going back as far as Joseph Smith. All right. If you got a harem, uh, you're going to likely end up dead. All right. And somehow we just keep, you know, sort of <laughs> teaching people that that's, you know, what you go for, right? To be the, like you said, okay, had a whole shit song and use them, I'm a flirt, right? Where he's in there, like, you know, right. don't bring your girl around me. I steal your woman. Right. And lock it up, apparently. That's how you're stealing them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, you know, I, I think what, what changed me was the big pimper video. I was like, oh, wow, this is the lifestyle. You get yachts, you get women on yachts, you can pour champagne. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, this is this is how life is supposed to be. This is what symbolizes success based on the fact that Jay-Z told us this is what big pimping looks like. Right. And I, I feel like one of the, the issues is, you know, for me, I think anybody who grows up very low income, you want to be successful because you want to have money for basic things that were such a struggle at the right. time, but you don't even appreciate the quality of life that you really can have if you are successful. Not even like billionaire status, but like just regular people success, like white successful, right? <laughs> like if you're white successful, your life is, you know, my life now is completely different. From right. my life growing up. And it's like, wow, the fact that you can look in your account and be like, oh, I got extra money from last month I didn't spend. Wow. There you go. Right, uh, right. <laughs> like before, it's like, okay, well, how are we going to get more? And you you see, you know, for me, like you have to find the things that you enjoy. 
when I was a child, it was, okay, well, when I get rich, I'm going to have women, I'm going to have yachts, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But when I got older, like, I don't really need that. The things that I like, I like my wife, I like my family, I like being able to travel. Why not just do more of that, right? Right, right. <laughs> Uh, and you know, and I'm sure there's a kid listening to this right now, a teenager is like, oh, he's lame, right? <laughs> he's yeah. like, you need well, to be out here and get your hair on. You know, and this what happens to a lot of us, you know, as, as 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 black men. Period. Is that you know one of the reasons that we have our you know some of the you know the people who end up broke right with all this money is because mm-hmm. oftentimes when you make money in entertainment or whatever, you make it so quickly that you don't have a time you don't have time to mature into the money, Absolutely. right? If you, if you don't get your first, um, you know, a million until you're 50, right, you might actually be able to keep some of it, right? Because right. you it took you so long to get it. But if someone gave it to you and we're on your 19th birthday, right, Absolutely. you're going to be, hey, they, they just handing out million dollars out here, right? right. <laughs> and so for a lot of times we have, you know, young men. Think about it. R. Kelly has been rich since he was, what, 21, 20? Right. And so a part of it is, like I said, you know, same thing with Jay-Z or anybody else, although he seemed to have done well with his. Um, but, m- 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 you know, I can understand why people have problems because you, you got it too quickly. You don't yeah. have time to grow into it and to, to understand, you know, this is what, this isn't what it's all about. Right. Um, but hopefully, you know, in, 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 at least we can teach, you know, young men that I don't care how much money you get, you know, don't use it to, 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 to victimize sisters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if nothing else, I can also tell you there's a lot of sisters that will slash your tires and your throat. So <laughs> I won't say how I know that. I'm just <laughs> and on and that uplifting note, uh, uh, you know, if I don't get home, I'm about to, I'm about to have one of those slash. <laughs> let, let, let me do that. Hey, everybody, thanks so much. Um, as always, um, you know, if you haven't left your iTunes review, um, we want it. Um, and we also, uh, what else do we want? That's it. Um, and uh, if you have sponsors and any ideas, um, we're going to be looking for some help. In, in, I think in the near future, we, I think we're going to need a new logo, Jesse. Uh, maybe yep. maybe even a producer position might open up. Uh, so make sure you post to us on, on the Facebook and, and, and the emails. And, um, and, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time.